Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to Mayor Kennedy Stewart's press conference. To join the question queue after the presentation. I'm Garth Mullins. This is Crackdown. Updates. Lots been going on around here, and we're not going to have a show out for another couple of weeks. So I wanted to just explain uh, what we've been doing. A big part of that has been preparing for next year, um, and that would be season three, which you know it's hard to believe, but here it comes, and we need to make sure that we have enough money to keep doing it. And so uh, that's been a big part of our planning. Yeah, and we just wanted to say thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, those who've been with us for a long time, some right from the beginning, and those who've joined in the last month or two, when we let you know that the show has some detractors. This is our producer, Lisa Hale, who I didn't introduce right off the top, but since we're not doing a script, you can just deal with it out there, you know? Just face it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I guess this is a funny time to explain why people don't want the show to exist. But yes, there are about a half a dozen individuals or groups that are kind of well-connected, have some resources and some power around here, and don't like how we've covered, uh, you know, methadone or uh, healthcare policy or um, housing or whatever. And they have sought to defund us. Uh, luckily, they haven't been successful, but when when you all heard about this, you responded with such generosity on Patreon. We were all really moved by that, and I definitely, I just, I want to thank you. P- people have written really nice comments, and um, it's just, uh, it's great to be a part of a community like this. We've also had an election here recently, and that was pretty weird. Yes, that was another thing that took a little bit of our time. Um At the end of October, there was a provincial election here in BC, and a lot of candidates were running from these very kind of backlash conservative positions, like against drug users, scapegoating poor people and people without housing, and they were very uh, loud about that. Uh, One of them was here in Vancouver, in downtown, and he, he made a campaign ad that used a little quote from me. The NDP is dangerous for the drug user community. Recently, four members of the NDP's overdose committee resigned, one saying, I'm not going to stand at an open hole digging a grave with John Horgan. Yeah, so that quote was just something I was saying about the current government that's in power. I was sort of saying they aren't doing enough. I don't want to stand around with them while uh, our community dies. Now, this candidate, Sam Sullivan, took the quote, took it out of context and made it... um, sound like I was joining him and conservative people in saying no to safe injection sites. And nothing could be further from the truth. So someone let me know on Twitter, hey, you're you're in this campaign ad. And I just tweeted about it. I said, oh, this, you know, this, this isn't what I think. Um, And it blew up. It kind of turned into a little scandal around here, like the radio and TV picked it up. uh, And the guy lost the election. And and I just think it was uh, not because of us, but because everybody was seeing his uh, nasty politics, his scapegoating politics, and just were like, no, I don't want that. And so that was uh, that was weird for our little project to get rolled up into some election scandal in a peripheral way. 
And uh, it was also gratifying to see voters turn against a candidate that was trying to scapegoat people in our community. So that was good. And of course, <laughs> there was another election recently as well. Uh, and that was in the United States on November the 3rd. And we watched it here, right? We were watching the returns coming in. Oh, yeah. And that was a pretty weird... I mean, I know that evening was weird for everybody. Uh, but, of course, in Canada, as as with lots of the rest of the world, you kind of have to watch what happens in the States because it's eventually going to happen to you. Um, and, you know, if you remember November 3rd, the night, uh, it wasn't... Nobody knew who was on top, who was winning. It actually looked uh, kind of... For people who are scared of the far right, it wasn't looking good for a while. Except for there's this little beacon of hope in Oregon when ballot measure 110 passed, and that is to decriminalize possession of small amounts of drugs for personal use. And uh, we thought that was that was pretty amazing. And we've been talking about that a little bit since. Um, and we realized, you know, at Crackdown, we, we did go to Portugal last year to look at their model of decriminalization. And there's another one emerging, you know, in Oregon. And then just um, recently in Vancouver... The city council has talked about having the city get exempted from the federal Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. It could be the same thing here. We could have a, a sort of stand down of arresting people for possessing small amounts of drugs. Uh, Mayor Stewart. Uh, this is a very important morning. I'm here to announce that next week I will table a motion asking Vancouver City Council to support my plan to decriminalize simple possession of illicit drugs in Vancouver. Our next question is from Garth Mullins of the Crackdown Podcast. Go ahead, Garth. Hi, Mayor. Uh, Garth Mullins, Crackdown Podcast. Um, when the podcast was in Portugal last year covering their model of decriminalization, drug users told me, um, they said to me, Garth, don't, don't let them build the system without you. Make sure that you and your people are at the table. And I see that um, you're considering the negotiations with health officials and the Vancouver Police Department. I was wondering how drug user activists have really driven the policy here. How are we going to be involved? Uh, because I believe this is a, a community-driven initiative, it's really come from the grassroots up. It's uh, beholden on all of us to make sure the, the community is included all the way along. And so you have my personal guarantee that that's, that's what will happen. Um, there are some things that I can't control, and that is the limits that the federal government would put on any exemption, although I can definitely advocate for uh, what, the, uh, what the community thinks should happen. Thanks, and just as a follow-up, um, the models around the world we can specifically look to and where, where drug users have some concern is where the criminalization of drug users occurs through other means, through administrative penalties, mandatory treatment, or even in a softer way through treatment options which are um, not proven and not preferred. So having, having us involved in the design of this, in the details, in the how much, how many grams was personal possession, this will be key to the success of the thing. So I'm, I'm, glad to, I'm glad to hear you say that. Or I guess to rephrase this question, did I hear that right? You absolutely heard it right. I, too, am concerned. I, I've had uh, briefings on the Portuguese model, which is often held up. Uh, however, you know, and you're, you're absolutely right, is, is the details matter. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to be watching Oregon. We're going to be watching Vancouver and trying to participate where we can. And I think next season we're going to try and bring more of that. We're going to try and bring a, 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 a sort of a part two to our, our decriminalization that looks deeper into the kind of models 
the way that, um, you know, sort of fuckery can creep back in, even though you've taken away the main handcuffs. There's other ways that um, the system can kind of reproduce itself, even after those big moments. So uh, it was great to see, as always, the devils in the details, and we're going to keep watching that. Can you tell us what's going on with the Methodos lawsuit? Oh, yeah. Um, good point. So uh, also recently, um, uh, well, I should tell you about this in case you haven't uh, checked it out. We have a we have an episode um, about three or four months ago called Class Action, where we sort of follow up from our work on the Methodos switch that happened here in 2014. In British Columbia, all the people on methadone got switched to this less effective formulation. Uh, everyone got dope sick. It, it, times were bad. We fought for some justice there haven't really got there and so um laura shaver who you hear on the show a lot and who's the president of the bc association of people on opioid maintenance uh she is sort of a lead plaintiff in a potential class action against malincrot pharmaceutical who makes methadose um as well as the government of british columbia and the college of pharmacists all of these people were involved in switching the medication none of the people who were taking methadone at the time had any choice so uh that lawsuit sort of, you know, we it was it was quite impressive to file it. You know, we saw in black and white all of these things, like including that this switch was a driver in the overdose crisis. That it said it right there in the statement of claim, um, and so we were kind of all waiting for the other parties to respond. Well, Malincrot Pharmaceutical said we can't really afford to fight this lawsuit. They are being sued in so many places, I guess in the U.S. that they're claiming, um, well, bankruptcy. And, and the Ontario courts uh, agreed with them, and so they have been severed from the legal action that Laura Shaver is taking. That means that, um, you know, the, the, one of the big players is mm, sort of skating away from this day in court that we're hoping to have. Uh, the government of British Columbia and the College of Pharmacists are still there. They're still parties. They're still defendants in the action. But uh, the big pharma company is not. However, we can still get discovery, which means we still get uh, to ask them for their files and, and any evidence that may have something to do with this. So that's another, um, I mean, that's not good news. Uh, so uh, that was that was Getting the here. discovery is good news. But getting the discovery. Getting definitely. severed isn't necessarily yeah. good news. And these things take a long time. So it's just going to be, it's going to be more, uh, more years in court, I think. So we're in the second wave of COVID. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for crackdown? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough around here. This is happening really all over the world right now. But as I'm saying this, um, we're not supposed to social gather. So the people that you and me are allowed to see are each other because we live together. Yeah. And that's really convenient. We're also married. And that makes... Um, Scheduling easier. That's right. That's right. We, in fact, booking this recording was pretty simple. I just said into the living room, "Hey, <laughs> you want to record this thing?" Yep. So yeah, um, but we're not supposed to gather. So it means outside of your immediate household, you're not supposed to socialize with anybody. Um, you know, your travel is suspended. Uh, there, there's all kinds of regulations on what kind of activities can happen. And this is happening all over Canada, and. Um, you know, the cases are way up. Like we're seeing numbers every day that are frankly terrifying. For the people that we work with, for our community, this is a really scary time because uh, the downtown east side is actually one of the highest uh, incidents of these cases. Like like COVID cases are popping up everywhere. 
It's hard to get the data, but I mean, there was an outbreak right next door to Vandu, the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users. Um, you know, some some people that we know quite well have got um, have gotten COVID uh, and had a very rough time of it. Um, one elder that we were quite close to has died from it. Um, I have a coworker who recovered from it, so it's it's around, and um, we take pretty seriously uh, keeping ourselves, you know, our community safe. So uh, we are back to doing recordings uh, in at home. Uh, on the phone or outside with a shotgun mic, which is like this little special microphone you can use from, you know, about two meters or six feet away and uh, still get the person. So we're, we're trying to be careful there. And um, we had some updates about naloxone that we wanted to tell people. Um, it's been a bit of a difficult year. As you probably know, Crackdown is a take-home naloxone site. So we actually do training and give out uh, kits to anybody who wants or needs one. Um, this year, because we uh, have been dealing with COVID, we've only been able to hold one official training. So we got to train about 40 people in January um, before everything went to hell. And since then, we've just been giving out kits to people as needed in the community. Um, and so uh, I think this year we've given out about 75 kits. The year before, I think we trained more than 175 people. So this year is quite um, quite a bit down from what we'd normally be doing. But we've got another order in for more kits. So, um, you know, the offer's always there. If people in Vancouver are having a tr hard time uh, accessing naloxone, you can always send us a message and um, we'll help you either find a site or get you a kit. Yeah, this is like a really... Like you really had us do this, Lisa. Like this started with, um, we just wanted to make sure that everybody who worked on the show was trained with naloxone. You know, and we, we've been training people for years and years now. But um, we realized that we kept coming into contact with people through interviews and just through the community that the show kind of creates and lives in that didn't have access to naloxone or didn't have the training you know, if, or, or I'll go speak at a conference and people will ask me about it and then we'll set up a little training right to the side, you know, just a spontaneous uh, training like we did journalism students or something like that in, in January. And uh, so it's just like, it's it's the show trying to live, um, you know, the, uh, practice what we preach or whatever. Uh, so there's, there's good things happening on the show. We are definitely planning to be here next year. You all have helped us a lot on Patreon and... Um, we're we're gonna keep making it. We have a lot of interesting stuff uh, to dig into next year, and uh, we have another um, episode coming up um, shortly. And I just want to thank everybody. You know, I get a lot of messages and uh, tweets from people, and I'm just I'm glad the show. You know, we kind of dreamed of making a show that people could use as an organizing tool. Um, I know it's kind of a weird model of journalism, but that's. I kind of think that's what we wanted to do. And people are using it like that. Like people uh, hold listening parties and we don't always know about them. You know, when sometimes people say, oh yeah, we're, we held this uh, listening party, Crafts and Crackdown, where people get to knit and have snacks and listen to an episode and then have a political discussion about what actions they want to take in their community after. And I mean, I think that's great. That's, that's what we hoped it would do. Or because of COVID times, uh, having meetings on Zoom, where they uh, talk about the podcast or um, issues related to it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, people do that too. Um, so there's there's uh, 
there's lots of ways people can can do that and we're we're happy to hear it uh so yeah i guess it's it has been i, I won't i won't lie it has been a tough time we have lost um a lot of people we did lose uh dave murray from our editorial board this year um he died in the spring and we still miss him but um you know, uh, like like Laura told me last year, uh, the struggle don't stop and neither do we. So uh, we'll see you all shortly in the next episode and next year. And um, thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Garth. All right. Be safe. Keep six. If you stop to think about the shape we're in and the stress that we go through, it's enough to drive a man insane till we don't know what to do. Then think about what most folks do to overcome these things. They go to little old drugstore down the street. It's got a pill for everything. There's a pill for the common cold, diarrhea, and a runny nose. There's a pill to keep us up all night and a pill they call compose. There's a pill to take away the blahs and to make us sleep all night. There's a pill to get us going next morning when we start the day uptight. 